This morning, as we think about who we are, we're going to talk about something that you all do, that we all do naturally without thinking. We're going to talk about a default setting we all carry into this room. Every single one of us, regardless of our background, regardless of our history, regardless of where we've come from, regardless of our cultural upbringing, we all have something in common this morning that we don't often think about. We all worship. I don't wonder if you worship. We all worship. You can't decide to stop worshiping. David Foster Wallace, a man who's not a Christian, or was not a Christian, said, there is no such thing as not worshiping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. And that's a choice that is before us today. We are created, men and women, to worship God. Birds have wings because they were created to fly. Fish have gills because they were created to, to swim. Squirrels have claws and tails because they were created to climb trees. Bats have sonar because they were created to hunt insects at night. You and I have a mind and an intellect and a voice because we are created to worship God. We're created to worship. And if we don't watch it, we can begin to worship the gifts. We can begin to worship the things that come from God instead of God. It's super easy to do that. We don't need to be taught how to worship. We need to be taught who to worship and remember who to worship. Otherwise, beleaguered moms might worship the quiet moments before the first streak of sunlight leaks into the sky and before the kids wake up. Otherwise, a graveyard shift worker might worship clocking out. Otherwise, a musician might worship the perfect riff, or an athlete, an adoring crowd, or a student, the clang of the bell on Friday, or a tired pastor worshiping a finely tuned turn of phrase, or a cancer patient worshiping a clean bill of health. There is no such thing as not worshiping. We all worship. Now, as a church, what we want to be is a church that worships God. Clear? That's easy. That makes a lot of sense. We can be a church that sings but doesn't worship, but we want to be a church that worships God. So for the past few weeks, we've asked ourselves, what are we called to be? We're a church. That means we are a representation of the body of Christ. That we're called to love God and love others. We're called to also think outside our four walls and Think beyond the borders of the United States and to the other parts of the world. But we're also created to worship. You and I, all of us in this room, are created to worship God. We're called to be relentless God worshipers with all of our lives, with all of our words, with all of our deeds, with everything about us. Not just on Sunday morning, but every moment of the day, we're called to worship God and be relentless in that pursuit. That, that's our call. That's what we're called to do. That's who we're called to be. And I'll show you where I get that from. All throughout the scriptures. But this morning, from Hebrews chapter 13, verses 15 and 16. Through him. Through him, then. Let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, 
for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Join me as I pray. Lord God Almighty, speak to us this morning through your word. All week, 167 hours, other hours of our week, we're occupied with other things. Today, may we be preoccupied and occupied by your word and your presence. Holy Spirit, be amongst us with power as your word is opened. I pray that our hearts would be just as open as our Bibles are. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For all the talk about worship, I haven't really yet defined it at all. Uh, my favorite definition is by a man named Harold Best. He wrote a book, Worship Through the Eyes of Faith. A good book if you're interested in studying more about worship. He says, worship is acknowledging that someone or something else is greater, worth more, and by consequence to be obeyed, feared, and adored. Worship is the sign that in giving myself completely to someone or something and saying, I want to be mastered by it. And that's what we say as Christians. I want to be mastered by God. I want to have him be my master. Now all of us as believers, if you're a believer in this room, that's what you want. That's, that's sort of something that is true about you. If you're not, that's some, we can talk. If you have questions about what it means to follow Jesus, we can talk about that later or talk with somebody you know who's a Christian. But as believers, we know this. This is the reason we're here. We want to be mastered by our master. And that's what worship is. And so from our text this morning, there's four thoughts about how we can be mastered by our master, how we can worship in the way that we're called to worship. Four thoughts from Hebrews chapter 13, verses 15 and 16. First, we worship God only, always through Jesus. We worship God only, always through Jesus. Look at verse 15 again. Through him are the first two words. Now, if we were to pull those words up out of Scripture and just say through him, we wouldn't know who the him is. But if you read the rest of Hebrews 13, heck, if you read the whole book, which I recommend if you've never done it, Go back, you find out that the hymn is Jesus. And so what we see is that our worship, whatever that may be, whatever that might look like, is only acceptable when it comes through him. We cannot and do not and dare not approach God on our own terms. We are unable to offer worship in any way, shape, or form that's acceptable to a holy God except through Christ, his son. It's good to remember that he is the one to whom, when we offer praises to God, we offer praises to God not based on our actions, not based on how our week went, not based on how we feel, not based on anything inside ourselves, but wholly based on Jesus Christ. Through Jesus, we approach our God. What did Jesus do? How can we approach our God through this Jesus? Verse 12, you can just look up a couple verses. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. To sanctify means to make holy. So 
The writer to the Hebrews is saying, Jesus has made holy an unholy people, and now that unholy people can approach a holy God. That's how it works. We could no more come to God if, it, but walk to the moon but if Jesus had not come to us. Jesus came to pay the price on our heads. Mankind was help, a helpless slave to the power of sin. We were broken and dirty and unworthy. And when it's, the text says he sanctified us, that means by his death, he gave us a way to be holy. See, many of you might have grown up thinking that the way to be holy or better is to try to obey well. That's not true. The way to be holy is to trust Christ because he obeyed where we couldn't. So through him we come. See, Jesus has made us, Christians, holy at the cost of his life. So when we come to God in worship, either in singing or in personal prayer, or when we talk to him, what we're doing is something very weighty. The, cost, the, the price has been paid by Christ. The door is open for us to go to him, not because we're good enough, but because he's opened that door. And sometimes we can be glib and not really think much about what we're doing as we pray to God, as we sing to God, as we think about God. But what we need to recognize is that without Christ, we have no way to Jesus. But because of Christ, we do. Through him, we worship. Through him, Jesus has made us holy. If we're honest about ourselves, we have no business approaching God in worship. Have you ever had a week where you thought, there's just no way I can go in and sing and pretend like everything's okay? I'm not worthy. Maybe you got angry at the kids and broke a plate or screamed and scared them. Maybe you had too much to drink or too much to eat or too much to sleep. Maybe your eyes lingered in the wrong places. Maybe you lied to make yourself look good. Maybe you put someone down in, the off, in front of the whole office. And we can't pretend that that stuff isn't wrong. And maybe as the Holy Spirit has come to you and convicted you and you think, oh my goodness, what was I doing? And you think about walking in these doors and singing or listening to the preached word and you think, I'm not worthy for that. And that's the point. You're not. But he is. We don't approach based on our own obedience. We approach based on his. On the flip side, if you have a great week, imagine you take all of your assets, sell everything you have, and give all of it to the poor. Imagine you decide, I'm going to not eat from Tuesday, Wednesday to Thursday, and I'm just going to pray the whole time. Would you be in a better standing walking into this room on Sunday morning than you were if you had a bad week? No. No, because your good deeds aren't good enough either. Jesus. Jesus is the one through whom we worship God. It's so freeing to recognize that no matter how my week was, no matter how I acted in the week, this is an excuse for rampant sin, but what we, what we recognize is we will never be worthy enough to approach our God. But through him, we have a way. Through Jesus, we have a way. And we need to gather each week to remind ourselves 
That though we are unworthy, though we fall short, though there are things that we don't do well, through Him is how we come. Not by ourselves. We don't come based on our own merits. We don't come based on our own goodness. We don't come based on our own obedience. We come based on the merits and obedience and blessing of Christ. And we need to be reminded of that. That's why we sing about Jesus. That's why we talk about Jesus in preaching. That's why Frank, when he prayed, prayed in the name of Jesus. If we do not have the name of Jesus as our Savior, we have no access to God. But we do because of Christ. So if you feel unworthy, perfect. You are. But Jesus isn't. We worship through him. You see, we come each week to remind ourselves that though we have doubts about who we are, we need not doubt Christ. Though we know we're not good enough, He is. And we need to sing those songs. And we need to hear that read in the Scriptures. And we need that to be pounded into our minds. Jesus has triumphed, not just in general, but He's triumphed for you. And you can sing and say, that is true for me. See, that's why we talk about Jesus on Sundays. This isn't lecture time. It's super easy to give lectures. We can talk about the Greek. We can talk about the Hebrew. We can talk about all these interesting things. Without stuff here. But our focus here is this. Our focus is to put our eyes on Christ and remind us who he is for us. If Jesus did not die and rise again, there would be no point in gathering because nothing we could do would be good enough to approach God. But we worship God only, always, through Jesus. That's the first consideration. The second consideration is that we must worship God all the time. Look at verse 15 again. Through Him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. How often? Continually. Tuesdays and Thursdays and sometimes Fridays? No, continually. This tells us that worship is more than just a matter of attendance on Sunday morning. We're, it's not less than that, but it's more than that. What we're being called to do as a people is not just come and sing at the appointed time. 10.15 this week, 10.30 next week, don't forget. We are called instead to worship God with all of our lives continually. We're continually called to worship God. We're called to continually worship Him in good times and hard times. We're called to worship Him with others, alone, at home, at school, at work, when we feel like it, when we don't feel like it. Continually. Now how is that even possible? Now what this text is not telling us is that we go forth into the world and be really weird people singing all the time. Please, please, please do not do that, all right? Christians are experts at being strange and weird and a little bit remote. Let's just not add to that. So if you're out there singing Amazing Grace while you're at the Circle K getting gassed, that's not the idea. Well, you can outside when you're getting gassed, but as you're interacting with the clerk, don't do that. That's really weird, and that's not what this text is saying. This text actually helps us understand what we're called to do continually when it says we're called to offer a sacrifice of praise. 
Now, in the Old Testament, the people were mandated to bring animal sacrifices and or grain sacrifices as a way to make atonement for their sins before a holy God. We don't bring animals here. There is no animal pen in the back to, after y'all leave, I'll go back and off a bunch of animals to pay for our sins. We don't do that because we have Jesus who died and his blood has cleansed us once and for all. So we don't need to bring any animal sacrifices. We've already been cleansed from all unrighteousness. But what we're called to do instead is continually offer a sacrifice of praise. Continually offer a sacrifice of praise. How do you praise? With your mouth. So do you see where the altar has changed from? In the Old Testament, the altar was the place that you lay your sacrifice on. They would get burned up and offered to the Lord. That we don't have anymore. This is not an altar up here. This is the front of the stage. That's it. This is not an altar. There is nothing amazing about up here. You've got carpet squares just like the back. There's nothing magic that happens right here. This is not an altar. There is no altar on earth. The altar that we approach is in heaven because Christ is our sacrifice. So where is the altar now? Notice verse 15 says, Through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. Where is the altar now? Guess what? The altar is in our mouth. The place that we offer sacrifices is with our words. And verse 16 is going to say with our deeds as well. But the idea here in verse 15 is our words. This means that, th that worship is not just something that we do on a Sunday morning, but worship, the altar of our praise, is meant to be the words that we speak, the words that we sing, the way that we talk about God, the way that we talk to God, the way that we think and talk about other people. That is the altar now. So, literally, we carry our altars around with us, in our mouth. And it's called a sacrifice because it's hard. You know why? Because naturally, if you're like me, you think about yourself first. When I wake up in the morning, I don't ever wake up and say, Praise the Lord. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I wake up and think, Whoa, my left knee is about twice the size of my right one. Man, my back hurts. Why are the dogs barking? I need some coffee. So I need to force myself to focus on someone beside myself, and that's hard. That's why it's called a sacrifice of praise. Our orientation here is to be focused on God. That's what worship is. Speaking of orientation, that's one of the reasons that in the Protestant church, the focus of a room that celebrates Jesus Christ and gathers together is the Word of God. You'll notice that we have the Word of God on a podium. My job is not to be a comedian. My job is to speak what the God's Word says. And you'll notice also that the podium is lifted up. Now, I'll get down on the floor level, and as we get down on the floor level, there's this picture. Here we are, the people of God submitted to the Word of God. That's the idea. That, that's, that's why we have the Scriptures open, not just as a prop, but as a way of saying, this is who we are. We're people of the Word. We're people of the Word. 
That, that's what we're called. We're people of the word. And we're called through him to, let, to offer a continual sacrifice of praise with the altar we carry around in our mouth, on our lips. So we worship God always only through Jesus. We must worship God all the time. And we're going to get real basic here. We worship God with our words. Now by my count, there are three ways, at least, we could, there are three ways we use words. We can sing words, we can say words, and we can think words. There's writing, but that's another conversation. So we sing words, we say words, we think words. So first we're going to talk about singing. Now, I hope it's obvious when we gather together that all the songs we sing <clears throat> are reflections of the truth of Scripture. You might say the goal in any Christian service is to pray, preach, sing God's Word back to Him. And it's good just to gather in this room and remind ourselves that we're not alone, right? As Christians, let's think about our Savior. Our Savior is in heaven. He is invisible, right? Normally, when you say you follow an invisible person, people think you're nuts. But what we're doing is gathering together each week and reminding ourselves, no, it makes total sense. It makes total sense. Our Savior lived and died and rose again. He's at the right hand of the Father right now. And though I might have my doubts, my Savior has me. And there's other people in the room that believe that too. And so I hope it's obvious to you that when we sing, we're not just picking random songs. Each song is designed to teach. You will remember what you sing. You will not remember what I preach. My hope is that you remember one thing before lunch, because I know after lunch it's gone. But you will remember what you sing. We don't just pick songs at random. Let's look at one of the songs we sang. Matt Redman has served the church well by writing the 10,000 Reasons song. And as you walk through each stanza, you realize, okay, this is what's happening. Look at the first, the first stanza. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O my soul. It's like you've got to get your, yourselves attention again. Okay. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O my soul. Worship his holy name. Sing like never before. O my soul. You see, most of that stanza is... Talking to yourself and reminding yourself, hey soul, you need to sing. You need to worship because that is not always your natural orientation. Soul, you need to bless God. Wake up. Wake up. Then the next stanza, I'll worship your holy name. The sun comes up. There's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. In other words, every day is an opportunity to bless the Lord and to worship Him in the morning, at night, and every time in between. No matter what happens today, because as we wake up today, we have no idea what's going to happen by the end of the day. We don't know. We have our plans. But those plans are not plans that are set in stone. We're not God. And so... Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me sing. No matter what happens, let me express gratefulness to God. That's what the song's saying. I need to remember that. I'll worship your holy name. You're rich in love and you're slow to anger. Your name is great and your heart is kind. For all your goodness, I will keep on singing 10,000 reasons for my heart to find. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. And that stanza tells us why we can bless God's name. 
It says, well, there's a ton of reasons. Soul, you should be singing because God loves you. Not just in a small contractual kind of way or because he has to. No, he's rich in love. Not only is he rich in love, he's slow to anger. Way slower than you think. You need to be reminded that he's slow to anger. He is not quick to punish. Our God is many things, but he is not quick to punish. And I am so grateful for that. I need to remember that. I need to be reminded of that. I need to sing that into my heart. I need to be reminded that he is good. And so the suffering I go through, the suffering we all walk through, is not a sign that God is upset with us. Not at all. We need to be reminded of the truth that he loves us and he's good, even if life is difficult. I'll worship your holy name. Bless you, Lord. And on that day, when my strength is failing, the end draws near and my time has come, still my soul will sing your praise unending 10,000 years and then forevermore. Do you see what this song is doing? It's training us how to die. One day, every person in this room will die. I'm ready now, just for the record. All of us will one day lay in a bed never to get up. And as my strength fails, I want to be singing that day like, praise the Lord. He has given me such a blessing. I do not have to fear the punishment of sin and death. I don't. Because Jesus has sanctified me by his blood. Good songs teach us how to live and die. And that's what we're looking to try to do. Sing good songs that teach us how to live and to die. So we want to be balanced. We want to sing doctrinally true songs. Not so doctrinally dense that we communicate that, only, that God only accepts praise from the intellectual. Nor do we want to have emotionally vapid songs that kind of whip people up. Which says... God likes repetitive yelling. But we want to make sure we sing true things because they're lodged in your head, right? If you doubt that, if you have kids, baby shark, right? Boom, it's in your head. That's a scourge to mankind. But that song associated with the, 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 the song, that song associated with those lyrics, they dance in your head. That's what we want to do. We want to sing songs that remind us of who Jesus is. It's a weighty matter to put words into your mouth. Fee is exactly right when he says, we are what we sing. It's a weighty matter. We don't just throw words up on the screen saying, well, okay, just so that they know the words. No, we want you to see and think and sing the words. And we want those words to be words that build up your soul. Now, I know there are people in the room who don't like to sing. There are those of you, I know you're out there, right? You probably sing in the car when you're by yourself. But in this room, you think, I, I just don't like to sing. That's just not my thing. Well, your thing might not be singing on stage. But all of us need to sing. We're created to sing in some measure. Here's, Edwards tells us why. The duty of singing praises to God seems to be given wholly to excite and express religious affections. 
There is no other reason why we should express ourselves to God in verse rather than in prose, rather than just reading poems with music, except that these things have a tendency to move our affections. See, it's not enough for us just to know true things. We have to care about those things. We have to care about them enough to where we'll live and die for those things. Truth detached from life is nothing. We can believe God is good, but singing helps us feel it. We can believe God loves us, but singing helps us know it. We can believe God is with us, but singing convinces us. We can believe Jesus is enough, but, but singing persuades us. We can believe he will hold us fast, but singing assures us. You don't just need to know true things. You need to care about them. And singing helps us care. Now, if you're conscious about your voice, number one, let's just, nobody cares Nobody's really listening, okay? Just the reality, sorry. If you need some space, go sing somewhere where, you're, where, where no one can hear you, and that's fine. There's some blank spots. You know what the best place to do is come up here in the front, because nobody sits there, and you can sing there. Um, so we sing words. We also say words. We say words. Now, it's important that, see, we carry our altars around in our mouths. We say words, and our words are either sacrifices of praise or not. And I think one of the ways, there's all kinds of ways we could think this through, but one of the ways we get backwards is complaining. We're tempted to complain about others to others instead of complaining to God. It's better, much better, the best to lift our complaints to the Lord and use our lips for building others up. Your complaints, if you think about what your complaints should look like, if they have an arrow, that arrow is toward God and not toward people. I get that backwards. If you don't believe me, you know, because in church, it might, you know, some of you might have grown up in a tradition that says you need to pray the right prayers and dress your prayers up in the, the Sunday best and have these and thous and therefores and wherefores and art thous and all those thous and these and stuff, and all of a sudden you're just saying nice-sounding words, but you're not really saying anything to God. God has asked us not to internalize our disappointments and our complaints. He wants to hear them, and we should tell him. That's not, when we tell him our complaints, that's not complaining, that's giving him giving it to him. Psalm 142 verse 1 says, With my voice I cry out to the Lord. With my voice I plead for mercy to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him. I tell my trouble before him. He can handle it. Tell him. When things aren't going well, don't pretend like everything's okay. But the words that we use, the sacrifice of praise that we're called to offer toward others is different. We're called to build people up. We're called to build people up and not tear them down and not burden them. So what kind of offering are you making with the altar of your lips? How are you singing? How are you speaking? How about how are you thinking? Worship starts with good 
thinking. And that's really hard. Really hard. That's, I'll tell you what, the battleground for me is in my head. It's been, it's in my head. This has been a tough year for me in many ways, and I'm one of those people who has a mind that never stops. Never, never, never. You know those rock tumblers? Have you ever seen those rock tumblers where you get nasty, jagged rocks, put them in this tumbler, and <laughs> pour water and grit and all kinds of stuff in them? You plug it in, and then that tumbler rolls and rolls for like a month, wearing down all the different parts of the rocks and makes them shiny so that they can be, they can be you know, jewelry you sell on the side of the road or whatever. And so... <clears throat> My head is like one of those tumblers. So in our, in our house, one of my sons has a, <clears throat> has a tumbler, <clears throat> and he put it in the garage for like the whole month of January. And so every time I walk in the garage, it was <clears throat> midnight, <clears throat> six in the morning, <clears throat> two in the afternoon. <clears throat> when is that thing going to be ready? That's like my head. Always. It never rests. I think what I should have done, what I could have done, what I should one day do. If I don't watch it, my mind can enter into the land of discouragement and walk on the borders of despair. And so what I have to do is press different thoughts into my mind by force and say, we interrupt the regularly scheduled program to remember other things. We've got to do that. We interrupt this going around and around. Yesterday I'm in Starbucks and my mind starts and I just start going downhill. I'm in Starbucks and I'm on the verge of tears for no reason. And I'm like, what the heck, you idiot. And so, so what I had to do, this is what I did. I open up the scriptures of Psalm 42.5. That helps me. Frank referenced this today. I didn't t- tell him I was going to reference this. He didn't know I was going to reference it. So that's interesting. Psalm 42.5. Why are you downcast, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation. Hope in God. That's right. Hope in God. And as I read that, hope in God. You idiot. Hope in God. Not in what you could do or should do or would do or might do or have done. Hope in God. And then my mind, I was able to think, okay, what are the reasons I have to hope in God? Well, he's with me. He's patient with me. He will never leave me. He knows me, everything I've ever done, all of who I am, and yet he loves me. That's amazing. He's not going to reject me. He loves me. He's given proof of his love by sending his son. I'm never too much trouble for him. He will work all things together for my good. If he is for me, who can be against me? If I'm forgiven, he's never going to take that away. And so as I go to my son's soccer game, my mind's going, but with better thoughts in the head. It's much easier to offer praise when I'm thinking rightly. And you know what? Sometimes we just got to fight to put those thoughts into our heads so that our thoughts can be a sacrifice of praise too. All of us ought to have those truths that we hold on to just to press into our brains and to stop the tumbler and put something else in. 
What can it be for you? Because then it's, e- it's much easier. It's much more natural. Someone asked me how I'm doing. Well, I'm probably going to die tomorrow. Before I had that. And then at the soccer game, it's great, wonderful. Got a lot to hope in. God's good. The difference? My brain. So may we press right, good, true words into our heads so that we can offer a sacrifice of praise with our lips. How are we mastered by our master? We're mastered when we worship, recognize we worship God always and only through Christ. We recognize that worship is something that we're called to do continually. And worship is something we're called to do with all of our words. You can have a long conversation about text messages, but I won't. Here's a tip. Don't text somebody something you won't say, right? If you do that, that's not going to end well. And really, get a tutorial, if you're over 50, of how to use emojis. Sorry. I just had to say that. (laughs) For the benefit of... Well, never mind. Um, We must worship God also with our deeds. We worship God through Christ. We worship God all the time. We worship God with our words. And we're called to worship God with our deeds. Worship is not just a matter of saying or singing or thinking the right things. Worship is also a matter of living the right way. Verse 16. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Do not neglect to do good. Who are we to do good to? Everyone. That's an expression of worship. We're to do good to people who love us and hate us and wrong us. People who are indifferent to us. People who speak against us. People who have not treated us well. People who we know. People who we don't know. People who like us. People who don't like us. Everyone. So how... How how is the sacrifice of your praise? The lips, the altar you carry around in your mouth. How is it? You see, none of us are we who are who we ought to be, not yet. And as a church, I want our church, just like you do, to be a place that lifts high the name of God. To take the focus off ourselves and put it on Him. You see, the Word of God stands forever. In 50 years, there will be other people in this room. There will be somebody else standing up behind this pulpit. There will be somebody else singing and leading worship. But there will not be another Word of God. It will be the same. Our goal, our direction, our hope is that we orient our lives around the God of this Bible and speak of Him and sing to Him and pray to Him and offer sacrifices of praise to Him. He's worth it. And as we do that, not only will we get to know him more, we'll please him, and there's nothing better than pleasing him. Our lives, our very lives, are meant to be an offering to him. We are not our own. None of us are our own. None of us. 
we belong to him. So may we worship God always, only through Christ. May we worship him continually. May we worship him with both our words and our deeds. Let's pray. Lord, I'm sure I speak for many and just recognize, Lord, that there's all kinds of ways I fall short. All kinds of ways in which my words haven't reflected your truth. My thoughts certainly haven't. Lord, I'm grateful for your patience. But I pray that you would help us as a church to take, to, to, to recognize that the focus is not on ourselves, but it's on, on you, Lord. I pray that you would help us to be a people that worship you every day, in every moment, with the urgency that you deserve. The matters in our lives are important, but there's nothing as important as you. Lord, I pray that eternity and truth and your presence would push into our hearts and our minds and muscle out anything that gets in the way. Lord, I pray that we would on lay preferences and concerns and, and troubles and everything on, uh, on, on the altar and let it burn up. But may we be a people who speak of you truly, who sing of you with gusto. May we be a people who speak to one another strongly, Lord. May we be a people that offers a continual sacrifice of praise. Because you deserve it. Help us to have eyes to see how important you are. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And that we seek to live to honor. Amen.